What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's start here where I think the answer begins for everything and everybody in the place of acknowledgement. Indigenous peoples in this country have taught me the most about what acknowledgement truly means. So everything that I've created for you happened here on Treaty 7 land, which is now known as the center part of the province of Alberta. It is home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, made up of the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, the Tatina First Nation, the Stony Nakoda First Nation, and the Métis Nation Region 3. It is always my honor, my privilege mostly, to raise my babies on this land where so much sacrifice was made, and to build a community, invite a community in, talk about hard things, as we together learn and unlearn about the most important things, that we were never meant to do any of this alone. Again, you amazing humans, welcome back, welcome in to uh, this uh, Everyone Comes From Somewhere podcast. Uh, do I have someone for you today? My friends, only the most amazing humans land here. And I don't even know, I've heard so much about the incredible Mallory Brown. Uh, I'm going to give you a, just a little taste. So she's an adventure traveler. Like if anybody ever wants a title, Mal. That's what I'm going to call you now, Mal. Adventure traveler, followed closely by humanitarian filmmaker. I'm not even done. Inspirational speaker. She transformed her passion for culture into a powerful career promoting global kindness. Uh, she's traveled to over 60 countries, spoken to audiences internationally, and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities fighting poverty. Come on, come on. She's a super human and we get her in our community today. And I have so many questions for you, Mallory. I cannot wait. Um, as I start every episode, this is a podcast about where you came from. And I know to the core of me that we are all way more alike than we are different. And maybe most importantly, the difference between empathy and judgment often lies in understanding where another comes from. So tell me, Mallory, where would we start with you? Where did you come from? Well, um, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I, um, my story, I mean, I, I live a very adventurous life. So I think a lot of people assume I came from a travel writing family or, um, you know, a very international upbringing, but I didn't. I grew up in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. Um, I'm a Michigan girl and I still live in Detroit, Michigan. Um, so although I've traveled around the world, I started in my hometown and I live 30 minutes away. Um, but I, you know, my compassion for people has really been the driver for my career. That's been my guiding light. 
and my compassion for people actually started uh, from my childhood. So I'm in the middle of three children. And when I was three years old, my younger brother was born. Um, he was born premature and he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. So um, anyone who grows up with a disabled child or a disabled sibling, it changes the whole dynamic of the family immediately. And my brother, um, you know, I was very close to him, but he was 100% physically disabled. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, couldn't feed himself. What's his name? Derek. Derek. Okay, got it. And so, um, so I grew up as a little girl playing with someone who had all of these hardships. Um, And I, I guess it ingrained in me that some people face challenges that aren't at nothing is their fault, you know, and it's just circumstances of life makes things hard for them. So my brother gave me my compassion for people. And I remember growing up and being out at the park and I would see people looking at him and little kids, you know, would ask, why is, why is that boy in a wheelchair? And, um, you know, I went through school with him and my parents petitioned for him to go to public school and they didn't want him in special ed. Um, he had, he was geniusly smart, which many children with disabilities are, with disabilities are actually really like geniusly smart. They just can't communicate it. So um, he went through normal classes. He had the same teachers I had, and I watched him go through middle school and high school and um, deal with the dynamics of other kids and um that, you know, and I just saw how he was such a beautiful person. And so many people missed that because Mm. they saw his disability. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when I grew up, I, and I started traveling just for fun, but I really felt the same way when I would meet people in other cultures, how misunderstood they were. Um, I really connected with people that were living in poverty because mm-hmm. I think I saw similarities. I saw that these are hardworking, wonderful people who are in a position of hardship that they were born into. Like there was, they didn't do anything wrong. They just grew up in this village and there's little opportunity. Yeah. And yep. so, um, so yeah, so I, I credit my heart and really my whole career to my brother. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can see in your face. I don't know. I mean, if you're just listening to this, let me tell you, I can see how much you love him. Mm-hmm. He he's just a part of every bit of of how you show up in this world. Hey, yeah, I love he, it. Yes, and um, if to, so to get very personal, so my brother actually passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 29, and wow. uh, he he died unexpectedly. He was um you know, it was basically just like the end of his life, which, um, you know, was very hard for my family. Um, We, it was devastating for us and um, anyone that loses a child that young, I mean, you know, my parents, but um, at the same time, I met a man named Derek. Stop right now. Now my husband. Yes. So um, it's been four years, but um, my husband, Derek and I, we started dating and um, he never met my brother, but I truly feel like this is the next Derek in my life sent to me. So. Oh my gosh. Stop right now. Okay. I I have so many questions. All right. So what, um, (laughs) so what is you and Derek now live in Detroit? Where's Mm -hmm. Uh, your older sibling is where? She actually lives in LA. LA. Okay. And what does this big shooter do? She is in the film industry. Oh, kind of like you. Yes. Yeah. She works in the big Hollywood productions and I do documentary stuff, but yeah, we both went into film. And who, what about mom and dad? Like, did you, where did you get this love for film from? 
So my dad is an independent film producer. Oh, which is fun. Adds um, that along to us. So um, he makes independent feature films. My sister makes big Hollywood motion pictures, and I make very intimate documentary style films. So we run the spectrum, but we're all creative like that. How cool are you? And then when you get together, I can't like, what is your mom? What, what is the glue? Is she the glue? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my mom, um, my mom was my brother's full-time caretaker. And so, Mm. um, yeah, my mom and my brother were like who everyone came home to. And Mm. now it's my mom, but, um, Mm. yeah, we have a very, you know, we're a very close family. We are a very creative family, lots of ideas, lots of, um, you know, we do a lot together, travel a lot together. There's a lot of culture. I grew up with music and my parents took me to the musicals and, um, yeah, very art driven family. Oh my gosh. So I can hear when you're talking about it, you know, I often ask people this question, you know, who made you great and, and maybe who didn't. And I, and I can, I can hear the story of Derek and all of his influence. What were some of the hardest challenges? Were there people in there? I mean, of course the people that, you know, would question Derek's abilities and, um, you know, see him for his disability, I would imagine, um, anything else, anybody else that made it difficult to sort of get through this very creative, often, um, lots of opinions in this world, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, as a child, um, I, I, I kind of, I think we all just are sort of going through the motions to get through school and Mm -hmm. graduate. And then I went to a liberal arts college and um, all of that was fairly standard. My life really became unique when I became an adult and I started traveling and doing my humanitarian work. Um, Then I faced a lot of resistance because um, the path I chose for my life is a very nomadic one. Um, I, you know, I've been to over 60 countries. I've spent years of my life in various parts of Africa. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Haiti. And I think a lot of people always thought like, is this good? Is this sustainable? How does she make money? (laughs) You know, is this just a phase? Like, you know, this isn't a real, um, I think I think a lot of my friends and my mentors were really surprised that I pursued it as a full-time career yeah. and not a hobby or something that I did. You know, when I graduated from college, I went backpacking. So that was my first exposure to the rest of the world. And yeah. a lot of people do that. Like tons of people go on a backpacking trip with their friends and totally. then they come and they go yeah. into the world. And I went backpacking and then I just stayed out. (laughs) I just kept backpacking. Oh my gosh. This is like a dream come true. The the Cheryl strays of the world. Like we are just going to eat, love, pray our way through the friggin' universe. Yeah. Come on. So how do you fund it? How, 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 how are you making hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to change the world? So, um, I mean, at the beginning in my early twenties, it was a struggle. I lived with my parents. I, you know, I, um, I actually ran my own clothing company, which was a, was a buy one, give one clothing company. So I would sell t-shirts and sweatshirts. And then for every one I sold, I would give one away to someone in need and I would take trips to deliver clothes. So I do clothing deliveries. And, um, so my income came from my online retail store, but I was, you know, making it until my next trip. And then yes, yes. from zero and then building up again. And, um, but eventually I found, you know, as soon as I became experienced, I could pursue sponsorships and partnerships. And then yes, I got really good at what I do. And I <laughs> became a really good storyteller and I, <laughs> Films are incredible. I mean, I'm proud to say I think they're Yeah, beautiful. you are. 
And so, um, so now I have an actual nonprofit that funds my work. So I get donations to just to make my work possible. And when I go travel and I publish my films, then we raise money to help the people that were featured. So, um, so there's sort of like a fundraising round to make it possible to produce the film and then a fundraising round to help on the, you know, on the other side. Sustainability side of things. Can yeah. you tell me, tell me about those films? Um, Walk a Mile mm-hmm. is, um, I think, one of the most brilliant, brilliant. Con- uh, when I was reading about it, uh, I-, I was like, this is so amazing. And what you've accomplished so far in this journey, and I, I mean, I think you're just getting started. Tell, tell me, start to finish, about all of it and how this has sort of grown into this this thing that is so amazing. Yeah. So, um, so walk a mile is a global marathon. Um, I think of it like an Anthony Bourdain series. So it's a 26 part series. Every episode is in a different country and it's all for women's empowerment. So every episode, every mile, I walk with a woman that's facing an incredible challenge. And the whole concept is based on the proverb, don't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Yes, ma'am. I actually, it's funny, I thought of walk a mile in an actual burst of like a light bulb moment, like a real one, like a cartoon happened, you know? (laughs) Where were you? Set the stage. Where were you? Um... I was in a house that I was renting. I was living alone. This is before I met my now husband. Um, still in Metro Detroit. And I was in my bedroom. And I remember I was kind of like walking around. And I read the quote somewhere earlier in the day. And I was thinking, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. What if I could literally do that and literally walk in someone else's shoes? And then I just like saw it. And I was oh, my gosh. I could do this, different episodes, different miles. A marathon is 26 miles long. So I'll do 26 episodes in 26 different countries. And it just all hit me. And I sat down on the ground because it was so, I was like, I need to like breathe, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. As a creative, as a writer, I've written three books and I, those moments are so sacred. Right. Like, Mm. so people often think that like creative people, it just sort of happens all the time. And I I mean, I have ideas that happen quite a lot, but it's those sacred moments where it just all becomes clear and you can't even get it out fast enough. Huh? Mm. It's like holy. Yeah, it really was. And I actually hesitate to say it because I feel like people are always waiting for these light bulb moments. And like there, there's so many small moments along the way that led me to get to this point, you know, of course, of course. Yes. To there, but, um, but yeah, walk a mile. I mean, I, I was 30 years old at the time. I'd already been full-time philanthropist for uh, six years. I started when I was 24. I'd, I think I'd already been to over 40 countries. Um, I was a big time traveler and I was already in this whole world. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought of walk a mile. And so my, um, commitment to women, actually it, that part was inspired, um, after a campaign I did for my 30th birthday, actually, when I turned 30, I wanted to go to Ethiopia, which is my favorite country in the world. Is it? Yes. Oddly enough, most wow. people have zero desire to go to Ethiopia, but yeah. um, I had been there once before and I loved it so much. And um, Ethiopia is, it's in Africa, yeah. but it's, it's like its own island. So it has its own language, its own food, its own religion, its own calendar. If you enter Ethiopia and you've trans, you're seven years in the past, their calendar is actually seven years behind the rest of the world. Stop! Did did you know this, people in this room? Did you know that about Ethiopia? Okay, keep going. It's crazy. They have a, everything's totally different. Um, and I just really, I love 
interesting, unique cultures and the people were phenomenal. And I just really loved Ethiopia. So Mm. I wanted to go back and spend more time there. And um, I reached out to a woman I know that runs a nonprofit in Ethiopia. And I asked her, you know, is there anything that you might need? I'm thinking of going for my 30th birthday. I want to do a fundraising charity campaign. And she said that um, in the village where she works, the women had been begging for jobs because they live totally off the grid, almost in a jungle. And there's no work. Women just stay home and take care of their kids. And household and men leave the village to go work and go to the cities and find work. Wow. And wanted to be able to earn an income. And so um, I decided I would go to the village and try to raise $30,000 to give 30 women a $1,000 startup business loan. And that was, I, I really like themes. And so I was 30, 30. Yeah, you don't 30. say, I was like, mm-hmm, 30, there's a 30. I got it. She's 30. Ah! So, yeah. So that was my 30th birthday. Um, wanted to raise $30,000. I ran a one day long fundraiser online and we raised $42,000 on the day of my birthday. Like doing what? Like, what do you, what do you, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like you just say, Hey, look, this is my idea. Give me money. Or like, did you, what, what, what did, what happened? I made a short film. It was about five minutes long about the women. Um, yeah. And edited it there when I was in Ethiopia and we hit publish. Um, and I, I, all of my films, I have crowdfunding campaigns. So I okay. used to go, yeah. yeah, you know, people do. Um, the interesting part about my 30th birthday is that I found 30 women back home to sign up to help promote and sort of sponsor a woman. So they, um, they, you know, showed it to their friends and their family. Of course, of course, of course. This is brilliant. 30 privileged women who can be like, Hey, look at, we could be a, a, become a part of this, this woman's life. (gasps) You are brilliant. And you $42,000 in one day, which was really, I know that I know one of your, one of your sayings and, and that you really believe is that, you know, we can do more together. And yes, really believe that, you know, so many people want to help others. Like they want to make an impact. They, you know, from one of the greatest comments that I get from my work is people say like, oh, I see this on the news. We hear all about this. Yeah. Now everything going on in Ukraine right now, there's a whole scene. What do we do? Uh, we feel so helpless. We don't know yeah. what to do. What if we give to the Red Crosses and go to the right places? And how do we do? How do we do? And I think there's this experience of futility right now, Mallory, that I I, I, I love that, that becomes debilitating, right? Where we're like, I have no idea what to do about this. I don't know how to start. What if I, gosh, if I give 50 bucks, because that's all like, like, what if it doesn't go to the right places, right? And do you find that a lot? Um when we're in sort of like trying to do this work, it's like, and I think about this in the mental health crisis world too. People are like, holy shit. Like uh, every kid has a plan to end their lives and everybody's burnt out. You know what? I'm So we get then very internally focused and we lose our ability then to, to have access to empathy, kindness, all of that kind of stuff then just depletes us. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. And it really is... Um, I always tell people, you know, you're looking at these huge problems in the world and I'm like full-time humanitarian. I'm, this is my career. I can't even look at problems that are that big. It's, it's debilitating. Instead, you've got to think small, super, super small and just try to help one person, you know, like in the U.S. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So um, in the U.S., like homelessness is something that is very relevant. It's very in your face. People see it all the time. And that's um, an issue that a lot of people are passionate about, but they feel like, they could, like what could I do? I'm just one person. There's so many, you know. There's just- and there's such, I think, a narrative that I got. And I will tell you this all the time when, you know, people are housing insecure to like, don't give them money because they're going to buy drugs or don't make eye contact. Don't like whatever. And it just like it is the narrative that is so scary to me that I think then it just, again, debilitates this. What I love about this campaign and it's got me thinking about so many things in this moment because you're like, OK, let's set up a structure where that 
I will create for you. I mean, I guess maybe this is what I'm learning in real time. This is the definition of a humanitarian. I'm going to set this up so that you can just step in. If you want to step up and be a part of this, I've created this space for you to do that. Right. And like how, like I want to, can you turn 30 again? Cause I want to be one of the 30. Okay. Can we, when are you 40? All right. Like let's, I mean, Three years and I'm 40. So I'll do okay. it again. <laughs> yes. And I'm your girl. Pick me. I want to be one of the 40. And I, I like, I love that. Right. And then you see, so you said, so, okay, back to the story. So you get the, the, the 42,000, you go to Ethiopia. Tell me, tell me what happens. So I, um, well, so I'm in Ethiopia when we raise the money. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, which is also why I kind of needed the ambassadors back home because I, I wasn't there to be advocating, you know, and to be, yeah. I mean, I'm in a totally different time zone in a totally different year if I'm in Ethiopia time. And so, um, so yeah, we re- get the money. Um, the way that GoFundMe works is it's instantly transferred. And so I was actually able to show the women and the nonprofit that supports them. Um, you know, they're really key, like they facilitate everything, but okay. um, this is what we raised. This is what we're going to do. So we made a plan. Um, for all the women, we divided them into 10 groups and groups of 10, sorry, three groups. And they started three different, um, professions and set up a whole system. These were actually going to be loans that they would repay. And once, once one woman repays for a thousand dollars, it's reloaned out to someone else in the community. So this can help more than 30 women in the long run. Um, but we set up the whole system and then I was able to share that with all of the donors back home. So they saw, you know, I gave $40 for this birthday fundraiser and this is what happened with it. And this is the, you know, the impact. And, um, I've really always tried to be, to show people like the real impact they're making, but the real people, you know, like this yes. is the real woman, yes. this is her name, this is her family. So you feel connected and people, the beautiful part about human beings is that, and you know this very well, like we're all the same. And you look at this woman who lives in this jungle village in Ethiopia and think, what does she have? Some like, how are we like? But when you actually meet her and you hear her and you see her kids and I interview her and, you know, you're watching this, you're like, yeah, this is just like my sister, you know? And exactly. So Gosh, um, and we all start in the exact same place. This is the part, like race is a social construct. And I, I talk about this all the time, right? Everybody started with the first, I mean, we all felt the same sound first, the heartbeats of our mothers. And when we think about the powerful sort of regardless of age, race, religion, socioeconomic status, gender, identity, we're all in, uh, we start in the exact same place. Mm-hmm. I, I love this concept. And, and when you're filming this, like, are, do you do your own filming as well? Or do you, do you bring somebody with you? How does that work when you're creating these documentaries? So, um, I travel with just me and a cameraman. Okay. So, um, is his name I'm, Derek? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be fantastic. Though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, um, friends of mine that are, that are, amazing videographers. Um, but so I sort of act as like a director and then I'm also on camera. So I'm like a host and, um, yeah, and we film, but it's very intimate because it's just two people. So we're sitting in a woman's house, you know, we spend days with them. So they feel very comfortable with us. And, um, I think that's one of the more interesting parts about when you watch my films is how deep we get our like yeah. let yeah. you know and how much people show to us and um you really get an honest picture of what life is like hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
And you know what I love about, I mean, and, and this is really the impetus of this podcast is like when you are genuinely interested in somebody's story, when they are acknowledged, they rise. Yeah. And when you're in their sacred place or their home, their, their homeland, you know, you're sitting in your house in this moment. I mean, it's this idea of being able to just hold space for somebody's mm-hmm. story and, and how, you know, and, and maybe this is a, ma- you tell me, I, I think it just as a massive stereotype, you know, thinking that, you know, how often has somebody sat down with a woman living in a, a you know, a jungle village to be able to be like, tell me, tell me, mm. tell me, tell me your story, right? Like what that would be I'd like to witness. And I mean, again, I'm going to have all the links in the show so that people can sort of see uh, all of the things that you create that are so beautiful. Um, and I, and then did this evolve into walk a mile? Did this, was this sort of one of your first steps into it or tell me, tell me, is there a connection between the two? So that's what, um, my 30th birthday in Ethiopia that made me want to focus on women. Okay. Got it. Right. Got it. That was my first campaign that I'd done. That was, that was solely women's empowerment focused. Previously I had done campaigns for just a variety of causes, um, natural disaster relief, schools, um, you know, children, the spectrum of need around the world. Right. And, um, and I really felt so connected to these women. And I thought I have a very unique, you know, privilege because I'm a woman that they open up to me in ways that I, they probably wouldn't. Um, and I just, I was drawn to it. So I, I loved it so much that I wanted to do women focused walk a mile. So um, <clears throat> walk a mile is every single episode is a different woman that I walk with and it's in a different country. So um, like mile one is in Tanzania. I walk with a Tanzanian woman named Elizabeth. Um, mile two is actually in Detroit in my hometown. People always ask if I do domestic work or if I'm all <laughs> right. Does it always have to be so fancy? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I do do domestic. I've done um, a couple of different campaigns domestically, but so. Have you ever been to Canada? Canada, actually, I had a Canada mile planned, but it got canceled because of COVID and I need to um, re. Yes. Come to us, Mallory. I would we love will- to. Okay. Deal. We're going to set that up. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Um, so I, I filmed 12 of them. Okay. And the first nine are live. They're published. Yes. They're, uh, they're on my website. They're on YouTube. They're on GoFundMe. And every single mile you step into this woman's shoes and it takes you sort of on this journey around the world, which is fun in its own right. And, you know, it's, um, for people that like to travel or are interested in culture. Uh, but you also just learn the real issues that women are facing. And I focus on a different woman's issue in every, in every story. So some are food related, some are um, like entrepreneurial related, some are health related. Uh, One of the most powerful stories I did was mile seven. It was in India and I walked with an acid attack survivor Mm. and um, it's shocking because most people have never heard of acid attacks, but right. They, it, it is what it sounds like. It's someone throws acid onto someone else to de- deform them, to sort of, you know. Mark them. Yeah. Taint them. And, yeah. So it's wow. often violence against women. And it's um, the woman I walked with, her name was Zakira. Her attacker, shockingly, was her own husband. He threw boiling acid over her when she was sleeping. And it melted away 45% of her skin. So when you see that episode and you see her, um, it was 18 months after her attack was when I met her. She was in a rehabilitation clinic, but she, I mean, her face is raw. She's lost all of her skin. She lost one ear, one eye. I mean, her whole body looks like one giant scar. And it's horrible that people do this to each other. Sure. Um, it's also horrible that, you know, the reason why acid attacks are violence, a crime against women is because women are valued by their outer appearance. 
And the thought is, if I take away her beauty, I take away her power, which is so messed up and just, you know, archaic. Um, But, but that's what people face, you know, that's what happens. And it's, um, it was one of the most powerful stories I've done. And personally, you know, I was there and I didn't want to respond to to the way that she looked, but, um, you know, it's shocking when you see someone walking around and I'm basically looking at her insides on the outside. Um, but after spending a couple of days with her, I love this woman and she's the such a strong, amazing mother, powerful woman. She decided um, to stand up for herself, to join this group of women who are all acid attack survivors, to proudly show their faces in public. Um, She's walked on runways. She's trying to advocate for acid attack survivors. Like I am not my appearance. I'm so much more than that. it's really beautiful. It's remarkable. She's one of the strongest people I've ever met. And, you and know, it sort of I, reminds me of, of what Derek, you know, sort of taught you to the core of you in your bones, right? Is that you, we are so instantly on the surface taken by other people's appearance that, I, I mean, I think acknowledging the fact that that won't change um, mm-hmm. or that that is, you know, even, even with your, the best way that you think about the world, you said admittedly, um, it was jarring. It was shocking. We have those experiences or those immediate reactions. The question is, can we push through them? The question is, can you go beyond that and understand that we're all started in that exact same heartbeat place? And mm-hmm. behind that, you know, the brilliance that was Derek, the cognitive ability, the insight that was Derek, that, you know, if you figured out a way to communicate with him, you would see this beautiful human mm-hmm. on the inside. Huh? And similar to this woman, it's like how many people don't get past now, right? The the rawness and right. underneath it, uh, the fortitude, hey, the strength, the power, like just must, it must change a piece of you. Every one of these stories, hey? It does. It's really, I mean, it's, it's so hard to put into words because I, I, it's complex, you know, it's, um, of course it makes you feel so privileged for the life that we live. Of course, it makes me so grateful for what I was born into and what I have, but also it, it opens your eyes to how much you don't know, how much you, how much we think we know everything. We think around the top of everything. We think the world revolves around us. Yeah. And then you go out and you see, this is the real world. These are real people. These are complicated, incredible, diverse individuals. And it's, I mean, that's what makes people addicted to travel. You know, they go out, wow, look at, this is so amazing. And it's, um, it's really, it's so sad to me when I look at our culture, Western culture, it's so focused on the individual, you know, we're all looking at ourselves all the time and I'm all for self-development and, you know, I'm nothing against that, but sometimes if you just get out of your own life at your own bubble and you just look outward, that awe that you'll have about the world, about other people, like that's so healing. Uh, I, I think about this all the time. I think about the, the importance of exposure, Right. And, you know, we talk about representation matters all the time. And I, and I think you, you've got to see yourself and other people. But I think about, you know, even as I'm watching my, our children grow, I 10 year old twins and a 13 year old, I think about travel and exposure. I mean, it, it's a luxury. It's, it's a privilege. And more than anything, I think it is one of the best investments you can ever make because people are hard to hate close up. Mm. And uh, Brene Brown said that. And it, it is that I've never heard much more truer words than that. If I think about, you know, the, the, the divisive ideas that people have around gender identity or racism, uh, people are hard to hate close up. And the more you give yourself opportunities, your children opportunities. And what I love the most about you, Mallory, is this ability to create, to bring that to people that might not have 
the privilege, the luxury to go there, to, to live, to feel, to taste, to hang on to these stories, your capacity to be able to bring that to people is such a gift to the, to these women but certainly to this world. And I mean, I can't wait for my team to watch all of this. I can't wait for my kids to watch these pieces because it is really, this is, this is the truth of how we break down the walls of um, racism. And, you know, when we start to think about like sort of our ideals around the, like, this is so brilliant because exposure matters. Right. You fall you you fall in love with and, and you watch you fall in love with these people when you just sit with them in their spaces. And you you can't I mean, here's why I started this podcast. You can't tell people how to be great. You have to show them. Yeah. And so you demonstrate those things that you talk about that are so important that you learned, you know, from Derek and from these women, you learned it. And now you're showing, you know, with, with, with this creative ability that is, is quite remarkable that apparently is a family gene to be able to, I mean, what a gift, huh? Like, so what's next for you? You're going to finish these episodes. What, what else is the big dreams in this world uh, of Mallory Brown? So yes, I've finished walk a mile, which I've got a long way to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way. So once I get to mile 13, that will be halfway. Um, but this will keep me traveling, keep me telling stories for years to come. Um, I'm also, I love to write. And so I'm working on my first memoir. And I have a series of memoirs I'd like to publish. Um, at the end of Walk a Mile, of course, I'll publish a Walk a Mile memoir. 26 chapters, 26 stories, you know. Um, I'd also love to make the full length feature film of Walk a Mile. I think the journey in itself is really powerful and uh-huh. spectrum of, of you know, it, it's interesting because it's all, it's all me. I'm the, the constant between the, the yeah. episodes. So you see like one woman's journey around the world to discover the real meaning of empathy mm. and... Um, and just see all of these connections. And I think that once I'm tired of traveling <laughs> and I'm, you know, I think once I'm, I want to stay home, I think I will teach others how to do what I do or their own version of it. Um, you know, some of the coolest moments of my life have been, um, so I, I speak professionally, yep. um, And so I I share my story, but I talk a lot about empathy and human connection and how we can all do more in our life. Not that you have to go travel anywhere exotic, but just reach out to anyone in your community and your family in need. And there's, we have so much power as an individual that we don't believe we have. Yes. um, So I, you know, I, I teach people how to do this. And after I spoke, there were two college, college uh, women, young women in the audience, and they went to Mexico and created their own video fundraiser. And they they took one of my videos and they mimicked the exact layout and the exact timing. You know, forty five seconds in, I say, "Welcome to whatever village." <laughs> yeah. Welcome to there, you know, and they just mimicked the whole flow. They asked for donations and, and then they published it and they raised like $6,000 for this, this, this community. And it makes me so happy that they're doing, like, that's exactly what is the point. You know, it's not yes, that yes. I get to raise money. It's that people start to extend themselves to others. Um. So so yeah, I think that would be my long-term my long-term goal. So many great things to come. Like I I just I cannot wait to watch where you go. Um I have a question. I I'm going to this one last question that I'd love to just give to you because I'm I'm in awe of you. I I mean I read about you. I've watched some of the beginnings of the documentaries. I can't wait to step into the whole series. Um but do you know how great you are. Do you ever get the time as you lift up everybody else's story, 
all these women and, you know, these, these people who you've represented for so long, do, do you get some time to reflect like just what you've accomplished in this world? I do. Yeah. I'm a big believer in, um, memories and reflections and traditions. Mm. You know, I've traveled with, uh, the same bag, like it's actual backpack, um, my whole, all my travels and I add a patch from every country and, um, I have a necklace that I wear that has two, two charms. Uh, one is I have 26 versions of this and I give one to every woman that I meet on a chain and the other one I, I just wear and it's for my brother. And, um, you know, I spend a lot of time reflecting on my life and what I've done, looking at photos, rewatching my videos. I mean, before coming on this podcast, I rewatched one of my episodes because it gets me in the mindset to talk about it. Um, because I really followed my passion. I really love my life. And I recognize how unique my viewpoint is. I, it's, I wish it wasn't unique. I wish more people saw the world the way I did, but I, um, I recognize that they don't. And so that's how I see my, my mission, you know, is to share this with people and break down some of the walls we have and inspire people to get out there and connect with someone else. And um, what I always say in my speeches is that we, especially when you're talking about charity or philanthropy or humanitarian work or poverty, there's such an emphasis on financially giving. Yeah. Yes. um, And even I raise money because it's needed and, you know, it, but it's not about the money at all. People need someone to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Really what people want. Yeah. And, um, you had mentioned earlier, you know, everyone uh, questions if they give money to a homeless person, are they just going to go buy drugs? And if you were to just pull over and talk to that person, pull up a lawn chair, and sit with them for 30 minutes, that would change their trajectory. Mm-hmm. Really make a difference. And it would certainly change your viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, you would be blown away by oh what my gosh. that person goes through. And it's, you know, we have opportunities like that around us all the time. Every and day. It's, um, you know, I wish people would grasp them more. Do not underestimate your power. I think that's the greatest um, maybe title of this episode because that's what you've reminded me of today. Do not underestimate your power. It doesn't have to cost anything. I mean, I've, as you've said, I mean, money is always, I mean, the GoFundMe campaigns that are associated with each of these women and your work, I think is what will be helpful. But I think if you take anything away from today, just be inspired to know that you, you don't need a nonprofit. Um, there's many places now that, that, you know, we can land you where you can help, but walk outside your door today and do that thing. Talk to somebody for 20 minutes, ask them their name, show genuine interest in what somebody else cares about. That's the definition of empathy. And it doesn't mean you have to condone, support, or believe. It means you seek to understand. And I love, I love your work. I love your passion. You can't tell people, you know, how to just, you know, go do something you love. You have to show them. And you are definitely an epitome of diving in with both feet, uh, following your passion, changing the world. I am, you're amazing. You are amazing. And I cannot wait to follow this journey. Um, And I'm just so grateful you, this community now knows you. I am, I'm so grateful for you today. Anything else you want my, this little crew here to know about, um, for you? Well, I mean, I would love for everyone to go watch the episodes of Walk a Mile. I, that's the best way I can share my belief, my mission, you know, like you, um, you say you have to show them. So there it is. They're all on YouTube. So you can (laughs) I've been search walk a mile, mile one, mile two, mile three, mile four, mile eight, 
um, up to nine, nine is published and, uh, just watch them. It's five minutes each. It's not, it's not like you have to go commit to some Netflix series. <laughs> like they're quick yes. and, um, they will really, it will really open your eyes and, uh, inspire you to, you know, see the world in a new light to go connect with someone else. That's my goal always. And, um, you know, that's the legacy. I think my brother wants me to carry on. Mm, Amen. Amen. Everyone comes from somewhere. And today, uh, amazing humans, um, this woman will uh, introduce you to stories that'll change your life. And uh, I'm so glad we got to learn about yours today. So thank you for being here. And uh, to everybody else, take care of each other. And I will see you here next time. I'm a registered clinical psychologist here in beautiful Alberta, Canada. The content created and produced in this show is not intended as specific therapeutic advice. The intention of this podcast is to provide information, resources, some education, and hopefully a little hope. The Everyone Comes From Somewhere podcast by me, Dr. Jody Carrington, is produced by Brian Seaver, Taylor McGilvery, and the amazing Jeremy Saunders at Snack Labs. Our executive producer is the one and only, my Marty Pillar. Our marketing strategist is Caitlin Benito. And our PR big shooters are Des Vino and Barry Cohen. Our agent, the 007 guy, is Jeff Lonis from the Talent Bureau. And my emotional support during the taping of these credits uh, was and is and will always be my son, Asher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.